Welcome to week number seven uh, in our series uh, on the book of James that we're calling a blueprint for making faith work. And uh, I'm really thrilled to be back. Uh, my wife Susie and I had a, had a great uh, anniversary, 25th anniversary celebration. There's only one thing that can make a 25th anniversary celebration week in uh, Puerto Rico better and that is when you get your rooms for free. And we did. How about that? So uh, we had, that was just really fantastic, uh, beautiful resort there that literally God really blessed us with uh, through a friend of ours. And so, uh, man, we, we're going to be hanging on to that memory for that week for a long time. We really are. Anyway, so, so I just kind of faded and just... Let's just reel that on back, and, and uh, we're, we're in the book of James, seventh message in the book of James, and let me just say this, wow, Jamie Farragella and, and Stephen Francis, what a great job, it just makes me feel like I can be gone all the time, didn't they do a great job? And uh, man, God has blessed us with a great, great team here at Valley Christian Church, and uh, I, I, I am very humbled by, by the, the staff and the team that we have here, and uh, I just want to pick right up where, where Pastor Stephen left off, and that we're going to be in James chapter 4, and really going to cover the entire chapter in our time together, um, and I, I want to start off by asking a question, how many of you have ever wondered what God's will is for you? You ever wondered that? What is God's will for me? Uh, or, or maybe you've thought about it this way. Uh, where is it that God wants me to be? Where is it that God wants me to be? Or what is it that God wants me to be doing right now? Well, that's what James chapter 4 is all about that we're going to see. It is really finding God's will. Finding God's will. How can we actually find out what God's will actually is? Uh, and, and I remember when I was in high school... Um, my father was a pastor. He was the first pastor of this church. And, and I felt like when I was in high school uh, that God's will for my life uh, was vocational ministry. Uh, do you understand what I mean when I say vocational ministry? Uh, all of us are in ministry. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're in ministry. We're all called to minister. Uh, but, but I felt like God's calling on my life was for vocational uh, ministry, which meant full-time ministry. Uh, which actually means uh, I get paid to be good. The rest of you are good for nothing. So, uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, I, and, and, I, and I felt like God, God's call on my life was, was for vocational uh, ministry. And, and, and really what has unfolded over the years since then, really 29 years, almost 30 years uh, since I graduated from high school, I, I want to share a lot in this message about how I've discovered God's will for my life, because I think there's some real practical things that we find here in James uh, chapter 4 that's really going to help us out. Uh, oftentimes those questions that we have, uh, how, uh, you know, what's God's will for my life, where does he want me to be, what is it that he wants me to be doing, those are really kind of like life purpose questions, aren't they? Like, what's the, why am I here? What's the reason that I'm even alive? And that big question, sometimes we can start searching for the answer to that big question, what is God's will for my life? The real big purpose, life purpose questions that, that we forget about something that's tied so closely to it and sometimes it eludes us. And that is, God has a daily will for my life. God has a daily purpose for my life. And, and here it is, here's the big idea in James chapter four. We discover our life purpose as we fulfill our daily purpose. 
Let me say that again. We discover our life purpose, the real big reason. What is God's will for my life? By daily walking in God's purpose for our lives. It's interesting, just, uh, again, we were celebrating 25th anniversary, um, Susie and I and, and in, in Puerto Rico, and, uh, and I remember when we first started dating, I, I would say this statement to Susie over and over, I feel like I'm stumbling into my destiny. With you, I feel like I'm stumbling into my destiny. And, and, and the fact about the matter is, that's probably a whole lot more biblical than we would like to admit. So many of us, we, we, want to, we want God to write it on the wall, you know, in neon. This is my will for your life. But the fact is, we discover our life purpose. We discover God's will for our life as we fulfill our daily purpose. As we fulfill our daily purpose. Let me give you an example of this. We're going to get to James in just a second, but let me give you an example of this from the Old Testament. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, it says, interesting verse here, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Now, now what's interesting here is this word find in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, let me tell you what it doesn't mean before I tell you what it does. It doesn't mean out bar hopping. It doesn't mean he who is on the prowl looking for a lady. That's not what that means. He who's hunting down a woman. That's not what this means. This literally means he who accidentally stumbles upon. In other words, he who is going about his daily business, fulfilling God's business, God's will for his life that day, he'll come across. Literally, the, the, the Hebrew here means to come upon often accidentally. Not on the prowl, not hungry like the wolf. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And so that's why we say we discover our life purpose as we fulfill our daily purpose. What is our daily purpose? How many of you ever heard of Mordecai Ham? I didn't think so. Mordecai Ham was a, was a great preacher. You probably never heard a sermon by him or anything, but. One night while Mordecai Ham was doing a tent revival, there was a young man named William that came forward and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Actually, he wasn't really known as William. He was known as Billy, Billy Graham. Mordecai Ham, doing what God wanted him to do, doing God's will for his life that day, God used him when Billy Graham received Christ. And millions of people have received Christ through Billy Graham's ministry. What was, what was Mordecai Ham doing? He was fulfilling God's purpose for that day. And he stumbled right into one of these big will, one of these big purposes for which God created him. And so, so important. Uh, we discover life purpose as we fulfill our daily purpose. And so another example of this now in the New Testament, just kind of giving the background to what we're going to be looking at at James chapter 4. I love this. In Acts chapter 17, in the New Living Version, it puts it this way. He, that's God, he made from one blood all nations who live on the earth. He set the times and the places where they should live. Did you know you're not here by accident? H have you ever wondered 
why am I alive in 2015? Why weren't you born 100 years ago? Or 12 years from now? Why are you in New York right now at this moment? Because God set it in place. Because God's got a purpose. Because God's got a plan. Because God's got a will for your life and my life. And, and you and I are alive right now at this time, living in this area, because God has a plan that he wants to work through each one of our lives. This is, where, where we live and when we live is not random or chance. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And it goes on and says, what is it? That they were to look for God, then they might feel after him and find him because he is not far from each one of us. That's God's plan. That through our lives, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian, that God wants to work through our lives, that others would begin to look for him and that they would find him because he's not afar off. That's why I live in New York. That's why you live in New York. That's why I'm alive in 2015. That's why you're alive in 2015 because God is working out an incredible plan and he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. So what is God's daily will? Because if we'll fulfill God's daily will, if we'll fulfill God's daily plan for us, we will stumble upon our lifetime plan, our lifetime purpose that God has for us. That's where we pick up in James. Three things, God's will is that you, three things we're gonna look at in James chapter four. God's will is that, here's the first one, that you acknowledge the fact that you need some help. That you acknowledge the fact that you need some help. One of the keys to finding God's will for your life is to acknowledge that you need help. That we can't do it on our own. See, here's the first thing. If we're gonna discover God's will for our life, guess what? You need to connect to God. That's the only way you discover God's will for you. You you need to connect to God. James chapter four, and and, and remember the context here, James, half-brother Jesus, is speaking to, he's writing to Christians, not not to those that don't know Christ, he's writing to Christians. Listen to what he says, James chapter four, beginning in verse one. What causes fights and quarrels among you? He's talking to Christians. Fighting and quarreling with one another. What causes fights and quarrels amongst you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, watch this now, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. He says you kill and you covet. What is he talking, is he talking about murderers? No, what is he talking about? You kill relationships with other people. You write people off. You say, I, I've had it with you. I'm done with you. <laughs> because of the desires that are battling within you. You kill relationships with other people. He says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. And so you quarrel and you fight. We covet everything. We, we covet people's car. We, we, we covet uh, people's home. We covet people's hair. We, we just, we, we covet. Oh, by, the, by the way, let me just help you brothers out, you bald brothers that are in the same fraternity that I am. I, I just want you to think about this. I came to this realization not too long ago and it, it blessed me. When God looks down on everybody else, he sees a head of hair 
when he looks down on me and my other brothers from other mothers that are also bald, he sees his own reflection. That, that was for someone specific right now. I just, uh, I know that blessed you right there. But, but we covet. Because of, we covet inside, what happens? Because we don't get what we want. And isn't this supposed to be something that's kind of parents work out of us when we're really young? We, we don't get what we want, so what do we do? We want what someone else has. Covet is, I want what you have. There's a difference. You know the difference between covet and envy? They're close, but they're not the same. Covet is, I want what you have. Envy is, I want what you have, and I don't want you to have it anymore. I want to take it from you. I've heard it put this way before. I love this. Envy is a lack of understanding in the amazing goodness of God. He has enough goodness for everyone, including you. Envy misunderstands. It's a lack of understanding. Covetousness is a lack of understanding that God is good. And watch this now. God wants good for you. God wants good for me. But we want all kinds of stuff that God says, that's not good. That's not going to be good for you. Next verse, James chapter 4, verse 2. It goes on and says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You're not asking for help. You're trying to, to stockpile and, and, and just to get all kinds of things, but you never ask God for help. And one of the first things that we need to do if we're gonna understand God's will for us is acknowledge the fact that we need some help. He says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, watch this now, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. They're all messed up inside. You want only what, you, you want only what will give you pleasure. You want it only for yourself. I mean, let's think about it. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but just think about how much of our prayers are self-serving. It's for me and mine. And, and, and this was infecting Christians 2,000 years ago and affecting them as well. It says, even when you do ask, it's with, your motives are all wrong. They're all messed up. They're all twisted up inside. As we heard last week, Pastor Stephen, heart's deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can trust it? Don't follow your heart. That's a recipe for disaster. You want only what will give you Pleasure. Here's the truth, James tells us, we're in love with the wrong things. We think because we want it, it's holy, but God says it's harmful. We just know it's going to be helpful, but God says it's going to be hurtful. And so we need to ask God for help. God loves you. And God loves me too much to let us keep pursuing stuff that's killing us. In the book of Hebrews, God puts it this way. In the book of Hebrews, the scripture puts it this way. It's God's thoughts. Those whom God loves, he disciplines. Get them back on course. God loves you too much to let you keep pursuing the stuff that's killing you. 
And so the first way of knowing God's will is we need to acknowledge the fact that we need his help. Next verse, James chapter four, verse six, it says, and he gives, watch this now, generously, God is a generous God. He gives generously, as the scripture said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God is a generous God. He he knows what we need, he knows what's best for us, and what we need and what's best for us, he gives generously. But when we're proud, and we try to do it on our own, I don't need him, I don't need any help. God says, I oppose you. I, 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 I oppose you. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The Bible says pride leads, comes before the fall. Pride leads to destruction. Let me just say this as your, as your pastor. I love you, want, want what's best for you. When life starts getting real hard, it may be a sign that God's trying to get our attention. It may be time to humble ourselves. That doesn't mean that all the time. We, we talked about James chapter one, the difference between tests. Sometimes there's tests in life. And there's also temptation. We talked about the difference between those two. But, but sometimes when things start getting hard, God's trying to say, Greg, over here, you're not coming to me for help. You're trying to do this on your own. How do you do that? How do you humble yourself? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If times are getting hard and maybe God's trying to get our attention, how do we, how do we humble ourselves? Well, the next verse tells us, James chapter four, verse seven, give yourself completely to God. That's how you humble yourself. Lord, you got it all. You got it all. Just, just last Sunday, I was just frustrated about something. And, and I just had a little prayer time with God about it. I said, I'm tired. I, I, I'm tired. I was just wrestling with him about some issues. And I was like, I'm tired of this. And, and I'm not going to push. I'm not going to do this any longer. And, and God, I don't, if this is not what you want for me, I don't want it. It's in your hands. Within 24 hours, God moved in that situation. <laughs> that I've been trying to push, figure out, think it through, get an idea, all this stuff. 24 hours. Give yourself completely to God. God, if you don't want it for me, I don't want it. If you don't want this relationship, if you don't want me to have this job, if you don't, I don't want it if you don't want it for me, God. Whatever's best for me, God, that's what I want, and I trust you. Give yourself completely to God. Next verse, James chapter four, verse eight, puts it this way, I love this. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. What a beautiful promise. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. See, we're, we're like, we're, we're trying to, God, I just, I give you all this, but not this stuff behind my back. And he's like, I want to bless you. I, I, I want to pour out my grace upon you. But you got to give it all, surrender everything. Give yourself completely to God. It goes on and says, verse 10, 
Humble yourself before the Lord, watch this, and he will lift you up in honor. You know, some of us, we spend so much time trying to push doors open. We, 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 we try to make it happen and, and try to knock stuff down. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he'll lift you up in honor. And when he lifts you up, he gets all the glory. When I push and shove and, and try to knock doors open of opportunity, guess what? Look what I did. And then that pride just gets even bigger. Even bigger. I think the truth be told, most of us today could benefit from a healthy dose of humility. Just humbling ourselves. God, God I give it all to you. Completely to you, Lord. And this is what my desire is, but if that's not what you want from me, I don't want it either. I trust you. First thing is this, God's will is that you acknowledge the fact that you need help. And, and see, because our hearts are twisted up inside, that's why we need a Savior. That's why, that's why we need Jesus. Because he's the only one that can fix that inside and transform our lives. The, the first thing that James tells us in knowing God's will daily, walking in God's will daily, what is his will for us, is acknowledge the fact that you need help. We need Jesus. We need a Savior. The, the, the second thing, daily, walking in God's will, knowing God's will is this. Believe the best about everyone you meet. Boy, if it were only that easy, huh? Let, let me say that again. Believe the best about everyone you meet. About everyone. Are you going to get burnt? Yeah, you're going to get burnt. Sure, it's going to happen. But, but what's the other choice? Being guarded all the time, never letting anyone in, being lonely and isolated and distant and aloof? That's not what God created you for. That's not what God created me for. He created us for a relationship. Believe the best about everyone you meet. There's two reasons to believe the best about everyone. Just real practical here, two reasons uh, to, to believe the best about everyone you meet. Here, here's the first reason. It's not your responsibility to judge others. That's not your job. That's God's job. And, and when we judge others, you know what? It hurts us. It stresses us out. Stress is the inevitable result when you take responsibility for things you have no authority over. That's what stress is. Let me say it again. Stress is the inevitable result when you take responsibility for things that you have no authority over. There are exceptions to this, obviously. A judge, court judge needs to judge. A jury needs to judge. If you're responsible for administering church discipline in that situation, you need to judge. Also, parenting your own children, you need to judge. But besides that, we're called to love people, not judge them. Look at the next verse, James chapter 4, verse 11. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. Don't do it. Don't judge them. Watch. God alone who gave the law is the judge. God alone is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge 
your neighbor. And we do it all the time, and that's why many of us are miserable. We're trying to be God. We're trying to be the judge. And so, second way we know God's will daily for our lives, believe the best about every person that you meet. For many of us, we need to resign as the general manager of the universe and let God do his job. That's not my job. That's not your job. And he didn't create us to carry that kind of weight. God's responsibility, think about it. What is his responsibility? God's responsibility is like a parent. We're his children. Even it says brothers and sisters. What's God's responsibility? God's responsibility is to love, is to correct, is to discipline as a perfect parent. And he is the perfect heavenly father. What's our responsibility? You know what? Get this. Our responsibility is more like grandparents. Just love people. I, I can't wait. I, I mean, it's not going to be real soon, but I can't wait till somebody's called me Papa. <laughs> I, I've told our three girls, I say, one day you're going you're gonna to have kids. I'm going to spoil them rotten because I had to be a disciplinarian and authority in your life. Forget about it with your kids, boy. I'm Papa. <laughs> They're going to love me because I have one job. Love them unconditionally. Love them. And that's really what, what the scripture is saying. That's our responsibility for everyone to be like a grandparent. Just love them. Now, don't y'all start calling me Papa, all right? <laughs> but but, but we're, we're to love. He's the father. So what are we? We're like the grandparents in that sense. Just love unconditionally. Just love up on God's kids. It's not our responsibility to judge others. Here's the second reason uh, to believe the best about everyone. When you judge others, you're wrong most of the time. <laughs> Think about it. I, I mean, you, you may get it right every now and then. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. We're no good at being judges. We're, we're no good at being judges. When, when you judge others, you're wrong most of the time. Well, where'd you get a crazy idea like that? You don't know my track record of judging. I'm a pretty good judge, Greg. Well, the Bible says something different. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 puts it this way. So don't get ahead of the master. I love this from the message. So don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions with your judgment before all the evidence is in. When he comes, he'll bring out in the open and place in evidence all kinds of things that we never even dreamed of, inner motives and purposes and prayers. See, see, none of us can actually judge someone else's motive, but God can. He knows the thought that someone thought six years ago to start that chain of events into motion. He's the perfect judge. We're called to love. We're called to love. That's 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5 in the message. So, two reasons to believe the best about everybody. It's not our responsibility to judge others. And when we judge others, we're wrong most of the time. And so, we need to believe the best. And yeah, but you're going to get hurt. People are going to let you down. And even while you're judging, that's happening too. So, so why not love people? 
the way that God said, that's the way this life's supposed to work. And watch it begin to work the way he intended it to work. And we begin to stumble into our destiny. Here's the third thing from James about knowing God's will. Acknowledge the fact that we need help. Believe the best about others. And here's it. Consult with God before you do anything. So important. Consult with God before you do anything. Let's look at verse 13. James chapter 4. We're just moving right down. James chapter 4, verse 13. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there one year. We'll do our business there and we'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? How, how does any of us right now at this moment know what's actually going to happen tomorrow? None of us know. None of us know that. In pride, we may believe that, but none of us know. None of us know. And then I don't like this because it reminds me of just how important I am. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while. Then it's gone. What you ought to say is this. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills. Because I'm consulting in him. I'm consulting God. I'm asking God about it before I just presumptuously go and do something. Consult with God before you do anything. You know, it occurred to me as I was studying, preparing this in James chapter 4, I, I love theology and I, I'm kind of like a theology geek. I love to read theological books and stuff. One of the attributes of God is what we call God's omniscience. It means he's all-knowing. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows everything there is to know vividly at one moment and continually for all eternity. Do you know what that means for you and me? That means he was already working out and he already knows the solution to our problem before that problem ever surfaced in our life. He's got the answer. He's got the answer and that's why James says, you wanna, you wanna know God's will for your life? Consult God. Ask Him. Don't, don't try to work it out on your own. Ask Him. He's already worked that problem out. He sees the end from the beginning before the beginning has ever begun. Ask Him. Here's, here's a good question to ask. Tomorrow, the next day, walking out God's daily will daily plan for our lives that we stumble upon our destiny? Here's a good question. You know, a good question to ask. Here it is. Will this honor God? Th th this, this thing I'm thinking about, this action, this decision, it is, if I make this decision, are people gonna say, wow, God is incredible. I see him working through your life. 
Or are they going to be like, what? You're just doing that for yourself. Just, just asking the question, will this honor God? This, 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 these options, this fork in the road, this decision that I'm facing, just ask the question, will this honor God? Will, will this that I'm considering about uh, a change in job, will this honor God? That this decision about relocating my family, will this bring glory to God? How about this, it's summertime, right? <laughs> How about when you go to the closet and you're trying to decide what to wear? Will this honor God? Or is this gonna bring attention to me? Will this honor God? Matthew chapter six, Jesus put it this way, and I think it's just kind of the summary statement in a sense of what we looked at here in James chapter 14. James chapter four, rather. Matthew chapter six, verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Watch this. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, of those that don't know Christ, don't know God. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Not your greeds, your needs. And it goes on and says, seek the kingdom of God. Seek God's will first. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, watch this now, and he will give you everything you need when we put him first. So here's how I want to end this message. I want to give you a little 10-day challenge, okay? Ready for this? I know, I know for many, school starting next week, like, all right, some of the parents dancing in the aisles. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Thank God we made it through another summer. Kids are gone. Woohoo! Here, here's the thing. For the next 10 days, here's a challenge. Resolve to believe the best about every single person you meet. Regardless of what your gut tells you, believe the best. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find people responding to you in a very different way than they normally do. Because you know what? What you sow, what does the Bible say? You reap. You sow judgment, guess what? That's why people are so critical of you all the time. Because you're critical. And it always comes back more. But if we begin to believe, I'm going to believe the best about other people, guess what? They're going to start believing the best about us. Pray for, here's the other part, pray for wisdom and the discipline to recognize that God has not given us authority or responsibility to judge other people. That God would grant us grace to see other people the way that he sees them. That's what James is talking about. That, that's, what, that, that's what the heart of the gospel is all about. And so let's look at these, how to know God's will. Knowing God's will, here it is. Three points, back on the screen. Acknowledge the fact that you need some help. Believe the best about everyone you meet. 
Consult with God before you do anything. You know what? It's as easy as ABC. See how I did that to you? Yeah. <laughs> it took a few weeks of vacation for me to get that fresh like that. So acknowledge the fact that you need some help. Believe the best about everyone you meet and consult with God before you do anything. And you know what will happen? You'll find yourself stumbling into your destiny. You, you'll find yourself as you're doing God's will, as I'm walking in God's will daily, I'll discover God's will for my life. That big picture, that big piece that was missing. Because daily, I'm walking in his will. One more time, here it is. You discover, we discover our life purpose as we fulfill our daily purpose. That's the message of James chapter four. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, for many of us, we've, we've wondered, we've asked questions, we've tried to figure it all out. And, and, and yet, Lord, in James chapter four, we see a pattern. We, we, we see an approach that you've given to us that we can begin to know your will by acknowledging the fact that, that we need you. We need help from you, God. We, we can't do this on our own. By believing the best about everyone that we meet, by loving others, just as Jesus said, that we're to love others. And Father, also we need to consult you before we do anything. So God, I just pray right now for, for, for everyone in the hearing of my voice in the Valley family, Lord, that we would really acknowledge the fact that we need you, believe the best of everyone that we meet, and that we would begin to consult you every single day, that we would seek first your kingdom and knowing that you'll take care of all of our needs and, and that we'll discover our life purpose as we fulfill our daily purpose of humbling ourselves, walking in the grace you've given to us, and loving other people and not judging them. In Christ's name we pray, amen.